up to do. Sometimes it gets really scary, you know. <clears throat> Sometimes you can be in a very familiar place and know what to do. Airplane pilots deal with a thing called vertigo. Um, John F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, died on July 16, 1999. He also, his wife was with him in that plane, and his sister-in-law was in that plane, and it was vertigo that took the plane down. Uh, let me read you something about that flight. In the last few minutes before Kennedy's little single-engine airplane went into the heavy seas off Martha's Vineyard, its radar track, track showed all the evidence of a mind wobbling in the tortured confusion called vertigo. This confusion steered Kennedy down a horrifying spiral to his death on that hot and hazy night in July. If you've ever felt the searing pain of belly flopping off a diving board, you might rightly suspect that hitting the water at high speed is an impact not much different from colliding with a granite cliff. The kind of bafflement and panic that killed Kennedy arises in a mind as it struggles with the contradictory signals of the inner ear and the rational faculty. Reason and emotion are at war. The inner ear uh, measures one's movement in relation to the fixed sensation of gravity. Gravity always acts as a vector pointing straight down to the center of the earth. The inner ear is equipped with tubes of liquid that shift in response to any movement while the mind compares these signals against the fixed sensation of gravity. This balancing apparatus signals the pilot's mind and says you're strapped into a seat that is now as level as if you were sitting squarely at your kitchen table. So he's sitting there and he's, everything in him as a person is telling him everything's fine. But when he looks at his signals, they're saying something completely different. They say he's headed down. But <clears throat> he feels he's just right. He feels everything is just perfectly the way it's supposed to be. And if he changes it, he's going to change it for the wrong. And so he followed his feeling. He followed his gut and not his instruments on that night and ended up losing his life and the life of, of his wife and of his sister-in-law too. Just a moment of confusion. And he took his eyes off the instruments and relied on what he felt inside. Do you ever do that? Do you ever have that moment of confusion when you begin to wobble and you take and effectively what you do is you pitch the book and you fly by your gut. You know what? It's only God's mercy that we don't crash and burn. It is only God's mercy that we don't crash and burn. That's a word of prayer. We'll look at Proverbs chapter 3 tonight. Father in heaven, would you bless us tonight? Would you help us as we look to your word, Lord, to rely on the instruments, to rely on the truth that you have given us, Lord, and not to rely on feelings. Lord, <clears throat> all of the time we have faced the assault of the enemy, we face difficulties, we face problems, and Lord, so often we veer from your word and respond in a way that is so dangerous. Help us, Lord, we plead in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs chapter 3, reading from verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Don't you want long days and, and long life and peace? Don't you, want, don't, you, don't you want to live a good life, live a happy life, live a full life? Well, God says, forget not my law. Don't, don't forget my law. Don't, don't, don't let your heart uh, leave my law. Let, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of your heart. Take and write them upon the table of your heart. Um, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. 
Verse 5 is where we're going, though. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Don't go your way. Go God's way. Go, don't, don't go with your thinking. Go his way. You're to have confidence in. You're to depend upon Jehovah. You see, the truth is that you and I don't know. We think we know sometimes, don't we? We think we've got it down. We think we've lived long enough sometimes. We've got an understanding of it. We know where it's going. And we think we're able to peg what we're supposed to do. But isn't that where all the trouble in your life has come from? I mean, rarely do you walk into trouble thinking, oh, you know what I need? I need some trouble. I need some problems in my life. My, my life is too easy. It's too fun. I need to make it more difficult. Rarely do you do that. What happens is you think you know a better way and you go that way. And God says, don't go that way. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not upon thine own understanding. You see, there's two wisdoms. God says uh, that he, he wants us not to lean on our own understanding. He wants us not to look at doing it our way, but to look at it from his understanding. Basically, he wants you to take the book and he wants you to let the book be the guide for your life. He wants you to trust him and depend upon him and look to him and let him lead and guide in your life, not your own wisdom. Now, we have a problem there. Because if we've been around for any length of time, what we've done is we've gathered a lot of wisdom over the years. We found out how to do a lot of things. We found out things that, that, that work. We found out ways that we can actually manipulate the circumstances and um, make things work in our lives so that, they, you know, listen, they, 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 they just are right. And God tells us, he said, I want you to put that aside. I want you to forget about that, and I want you to trust in me. I want you to trust in what I'm telling you. I want you to stop looking to your own understanding. And that's hard for human beings. Because just like John Kennedy on that night when he, when he flew by his gut, you have a gut sense, and very often that's what you fly by. Now, the problem is that when you fly by your gut sense, there's no hope for you. Because your gut sense is always going to get it wrong sooner or later. Your gut sense is always going to miss it sooner or later. Your gut sense is always going to put you in the sea eventually. He says, in all thy ways acknowledge him. So, <clears throat> listen, in all your ways look to him. Right? You ever see a child and they're, they're doing something, but all the time they've got one eye on mom. You know, is, is mom okay with this? Is she, is she happy with this? And some of you mothers say, I wish, right? Now, the, 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 there was a day, though, uh, when your child would look to you and they wanted to please you. That's the idea. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You know, what you've got to look for in your life is, you've got to look for, is he happy with this? Is he pleased with this? Is this okay in his eyes? Oftentimes we're looking at other people and we're saying, well, they, is it okay with that? Now, that's a problem for us because when we're looking at other people, we're, we're taking our eyes off him. We're supposed to have our, in all our ways, acknowledge him. He is the one that counts. You know, oftentimes people won't understand or people won't agree, but as long as he's okay with it, you're fine. You're okay. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Now, when we get focused on other things and take our eyes off of him, we're in trouble. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You see, you don't know where you're going, do you? Like, look, you hate admitting that, don't you? 
Of course, I know where I'm going. You know, Val was telling me in the ladies' Sunday school they were talking about where you all were 10 years ago. Now, let me ask you just one question. Right? How many of you knew 10 years ago where you were going to be today? You didn't know, did you? You really didn't know. Now, you had plans and you thought you knew. You had all kinds of ideas and emotions and thoughts rolling around in your head, but you didn't know. You don't know, but he does. He knows where you're going. He knows what the plan is. You see, he's got the master plan laid out before him. In a a sense, he's like the the, the flight controller. And he's telling you in your life, look, I need you to to, to veer to the left. I need you to turn five degrees to, to, to the left at this point. I need you to go to the right now. I need you to bring the plane up a bit. I need you to bring it down a little bit right now. And he is controlling you from the radar because he's watching what's going on all around you and all you can see is what's in front of you. And sometimes you can see almost nothing. Sometimes you don't have a clue what's happening next. You know, you're looking and you're, you're, you're desperately trying to find out what it is that's going to happen next. Where is this thing going to end up? What's going to happen? And those are the moments when it's very easy for you to take the controls and say, well, I've got to do something. Something's better than nothing. I need to take control of this situation. It's in trouble, and I need to, I need to take and I need to, uh, to, to, to lead in it. And the problem is you just don't know where you're going. You don't know where he has for you. You don't know what these years are going to, to bring. Um, let him direct thy path. He says again, verse 7, Be not wise in thine own understanding. Aren't you wise in your own understanding? You know, don't you, you know, you glean over the years lots of information. And by the way, it doesn't matter how young you are. Uh, you've gleaned uh, information and understanding so that, you know, you think you know. I think I've told you before, but I remember 25. I remember my teen years wondering, where did my father come from? What stone did he crawl out from under? Where did he get his thinking from? Because I knew much better than he did. By the time I got to 25, I realized he knew so much more than me. He really did. He knew so much more than me. At this stage of my life, there are so, so often times when, you know, I would love to be able to ask him uh, about different situations. You know, <clears throat> because you know, he knew. He'd been around a lot longer than I, and, and he knew so much. I, <clears throat> but it's like that with us. You know, <clears throat> we're wise in our own eyes. And we're kind of proud. We kind of get proud of what we know and the fact that we've got this thing down. And we forget that we don't know. We really don't know. Look, listen, can you picture where you're going to be 10 years from now? You say, yeah, I'm I'm going to be such and such a place. But you don't know, do you? There could be sickness. There could be death. All kinds of things can happen. In the space of 10 years. What about this time next week? We say, well, I definitely know where I'm going to be this time next week. No, you don't. You don't know what's going to happen in your life. You don't know what's going to happen in the lives around you. You don't know how things are going to affect you. So that a week from now, everything can be completely different in your life. You know, I was looking today in the, um, <clears throat> on the news. They caught one of I get Afi's sons. And um, they, they, they caught him and he's going to be tried and all the rest of it. You know, he was the one that was in line to take over. 
He was going to be the leader of Libya, the king of Libya, the ruler of Libya. He was going to take over and do all that just a few months ago. This time last year, his, his future was secure. This time last year, he knew exactly where he was going, what was happening, but it's all changed now. A few months have changed the whole thing completely, have turned it around completely, and um, <clears throat> now he's facing trial over war crimes. And you see, you and I don't know. Our wisdom really doesn't help us. Be not wise in thine own eyes, eyes fear the Lord. Now, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It says that fearing God... Now, it's not talking about you quaking in fear before God, although that wouldn't be a bad idea sometimes because it gives you the idea of who God is and who you are. Fearing the Lord is the idea of having in your mind, I don't want to get him, I don't want to displease him. I do not want to step out of line. I do not want to do something that he's not going to be pleased with. I am conscious of him. I am acknowledging him in all I do because I want him pleased with my life. I want him to look down from heaven at my life and find something that pleases him. So that I'm afraid to step out of line. I'm afraid to go my own way. I'm afraid to put aside the book and put aside his way because if I do, I'm going to get in trouble. If I do, he's going to be displeased. I'm supposed to fear the Lord and depart from evil. Let me say this to you. Some of the things that you do and maybe want to do are just downright evil and you know it. Now, how would you know it's evil? Evil is doing something you know God doesn't want you to do. Or not doing something that you know God wants you to do. That's evil. Really is as simple as that. To do evil is just to do something that you know God does not want you to do. Now, I understand that you want to define it more loosely than that so you don't feel so bad about it. But... That's to do evil. You're supposed to fear the Lord and depart from evil. I'm supposed to fear the Lord and look at the evil and say, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You ever see a child looking into the puddle and looking at mother? That's one of the real tests in your life, mothers, all right? You know, the child looks in the puddle and they look at you. Everything in them wants to jump in the puddle, right? And they're looking at you and you're saying, don't do it. And they're looking at you and they're wondering, they're actually weighing up the consequences. What happens if I do? Right? But by the way, if they do, when you've told them not to, the world needs to fall on them. You say, it's only a puddle. It's not the puddle that's the problem. It's not the wet shoes, the wet clothes, or anything else. The problem is they disobeyed you and they can't get away with disobeying you. That's bad for them. Right? But, but you got the child. The child's looking in the puddle, and the child's looking at you, and the child's looking in the puddle, and the child's looking at you. Isn't that what we do sometimes? We look at what we want to do, and we look at God, and we look at what we want to do, and we look at God, and, and, we, and, we, look, and we go back and forth between the two. God says, depart from evil. Turn away from it. Fear Him. That's the most important thing. Do it His way. Don't go back and forth uh, with this thing. Verse 8. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. It's going to be health or healing to you. And you say, how is that? Do you know what? A righteous life is a healthy life. That doesn't mean that righteous people don't get sick. But you know what? A righteous life is a whole lot healthier uh, than than a wicked life. It's, It's healthier in the sense of physically. It's so much better for you. But you know what? It's so much better for you mentally. 
You know, it'll help you as far as your life goes enormously. Uh, it's to be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. It's going to be refreshment to you. Uh, it's going to be a refreshing blessing to you. Now, you really have to come to the place where you buy into this thought. Because you're not going to serve God just because it's good. You're not going to serve God just out of fear. God doesn't expect you to. God said, listen, I want you to know two things. First of all, I am, and secondly, that I am a rewarder of them that diligently seek me. That's what, that's what faith is. God wants you to understand that if you do it his way, he will reward and bless you. You need to know that. You can't get over that one. You need to know that. You need to understand that because doing it his way brings blessings in your life. But if you don't buy into the idea of the blessings, you're never going to buy into doing it, not long term. You're going to constantly weigh doing evil against what he wants, and sometimes you're going to come up with evil. But what he's doing is, in a sense, he's stacking it. He's saying, look, doing evil is foolishness. But when you do it my way, not only is it good for you, but I will bless it. I will make it work. So that when you are pressed to do it your way, to do what you want to do, to do something you know God doesn't want you to do, God says, don't do it that way. Do it my way. Because when you do it my way, I will bless. When you do it my way, I will take care of you. Verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. Now, first application of that would clearly be as far as uh, our substance, as far as our increase, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to tithe. We're supposed to give to the Lord. We're supposed to make sure that financially we don't hold back on Him. That's just plain, basic, bottom line um, reality of your relationship with God. You, you, does that mean to say, well, if you don't tithe, God won't, God won't, you're not saved? You, if you don't tithe, God's not going to talk to you? No. But look, bottom line trust in Him is that you're going to tithe. That's bottom line. Basic. It's His. Uh, you want to give it to him, God is looking for you to trust him in that basic place, that first place. But, you know, it really is much deeper than that. What God is looking for you is he's looking for you to put him first in everything. He's to be your first thought. He's to be your first love. He's to be the first one you seek to please. He's to be the first one you speak to. He's to be number one in your life. You're to love him with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. He's to be more important to you than any person, more important to you than any dream, goal, or ambition, and more important to you than anything in your life. He wants to be number one in your life. He wants you to honor him uh, with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. God wants you to place him at the top of the pile in your life. God wants you to put pleasing Him the most important thing, more important than pleasing yourself, more important than pleasing others. God wants you to put Him number one. And you know, when we do that, the rest of it actually falls into place. When we put Him first, the rest of it begins to fall into place. The rest of it comes right. Remember Matthew 6.33, He gives us the same thought again. He talks about not worrying about clothing and not worrying about food. Uh, but rather seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What does God say? God says, put me first and I'll take care of the rest. Put me first and I'll watch out for the rest. The rest falls into place when we put him first. Now, for some, that means a life change. That means you've got to redirect your life. You've got to look at your life and you've got to say, well, okay, now what does it mean for me to put him first? You know, it might mean you changing jobs. 
You know, it might mean you, you know, reconciling a relationship. It might mean you doing some things in your life that are, that are, that are deep and maybe hard for you. But he wants you to put them first. He wants you to make him numero uno in your life. He wants to be at the top of the pile, the top of your heart. He wants to be number one. You know what? <clears throat> I think it's very easy for us to live way below that, isn't it? It's very easy for us to live somewhere well here. Yes, I, I, I subscribe to doing right. But God being number one? You know, <clears throat> God being my number one relationship? Well, He is after three or four others. But, but He wants to be your number one relationship. He wants to be first in your life. He wants to be the one that picks up the slack when there's a problem. He doesn't want it to be that you're looking to other people and they're the ones that are picking it up. God wants to be number one in your life. He says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And honestly, you know what? Tithing is just an example, an illustration of what's already in our hearts on that level. And that's the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to tithe. So notice what he says, though. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Of course they will. I want to say, why wouldn't they? Listen, if you were in the place where you were putting him first and he was first in your finances and first in your heart and first in your life, of course he's going to bless you. You're going to have no need in your life. You're going to have no lack in your life. You're going to have no want in your life at that point. Of course he's going to, he's going to take care of you. That's what, that's what he wants to do. You remember, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's his nature. Right? That's, that's who he is. He wants to reward you. And listen, if you're going to put him first in your life, he's going to reward you. In, in, let me put it this way. Right? The normal course of events, this is not prosperity gospel, the normal course of events, the normal way God works is he blesses. That's just the normal way he works. He blesses. Because that's who he is. I am a rewarder is what he says. So he blesses. So you know, when you put him first, what you're doing is you're just getting in the flow. You're getting things right in your life. Of course there's going to be blessing in your life. Of course God's going to meet the needs in your life. Of course your barns are going to overflow. When you put them first in your life, that's the way it is. And in all honesty, now, look, I do understand there's trials, and I do understand there's storms in our life, and I do understand there's difficulties. But when the difficulties and the storms and the problems are prolonged in our lives, we have to ask ourselves, is there something amiss on my side of it? Now, listen, it doesn't mean that there is, but you do have to ask yourself that question. Is there, is, is there something amiss? Is there some reason? Why? What's the blockage between me and the blessings of God in my life? What's holding him back? I, I'm convinced for most of us there are probably several things there that are standing in the way. Things that are just standing between us and God. And God is merciful and God is good and he works in your life to tease them through and to pull them out of your life and to, to set you free in your life. You know, but what's the blockage? What's holding things back in my life? Because, listen, that's just God's way with his people. Well, let me give you a couple of examples. Abraham. How often do you find Abraham on his knees pleading with God to provide him with food. Never. He's rich. He's, he's rich on the level of being a nation. 
That's how rich he is. Personal wealth. He's that rich. It's not an issue with Abraham. Either way. What, what about Moses? How often do you find Moses pleading with God for sustenance? Now, Moses is not rich like, like Abraham was, but you know what? Moses never lacks. He never lacks. What about, what about Noah? Noah ran up huge debts building that ark, didn't he? I mean, listen, it just cost him a lot of money and he, you know, it wasn't fair and his credit card just went through the roof uh, because he had to go and buy all this lumber to build uh, this ark. No, never happened. It, it, it just, you see, listen, it is God's nature to bless. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Listen, both you and I have known lack in our lives and you know what? I'm convinced the problem's on my side when there is, not on his side. Not that God's hand is shortened and it's not that God doesn't want to bless. Because it doesn't matter how much of a rascal you are, God loves you. You're his child, he loves you. And he wants to bless you. There's something in the way. There's something stopping. There's something hindering him from uh, blessing you. Look at verse 11. It says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Don't we get weary sometimes of the fact that God's dealing with me all the time? God's changing things and God's working in my life and God's dealing with me. And, and listen, <clears throat> you know what? <clears throat> here's, here's an article of mindset. We always think, you know, the, next, the one he's dealing with right now, that's it. When this one's done, I'm fine. I'm home and dry. It's over. And it never is. And by the way, understand chastening. Chastening is not just the idea of uh, punishment. Chastening is the idea of training. God's working in your life to train you. The, the reality is, in order to train us, he has to work deep in our lives. And listen, it's costly. It's expensive. It, it hurts sometimes. But <clears throat> he says, don't despise it. Don't be weary of his correction. Don't get weary and fed up. Don't we, don't we sometimes go, I'm just fed up with this. This is too hard. How can he expect me to endure this? This has been too long. I'm, I, I just need a break. Well, let, let, let's put the book aside so I can have my break and I, I, I can do my own thing. I, I know that's not what he wants me to do, but you know what? I just need to do it. How often have you just needed to do it and you've done it and you've realized that was a bad deal. That was a bad thing to do. Listen, don't get weary of his chastening. Look what it says. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. God corrects you because he loves you. Whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. He, he deals with you because he loves you. He works in your life, not, not because he hates you, not because you're an irritation and a bother and a problem to him. He works in your life because he loves you. He wants to help you. He wants to move you on to a better place. So when he brings difficulties into your life, when he brings roadblocks into your life, when he brings sorrow into your life, when he brings pain, when he brings sickness, when he brings financial reversal, listen, he's doing it because he loves you. He's not doing it just to frustrate you. He's not doing it just to wear you out. He's doing it because he loves you and he wants to help you. <clears throat> Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Understand these things. And it'll help you to be happy. You know, it's, it's kind of strange that we as the children of God so often have no idea what God's doing in our life. 
you know, we're living on the level of, you know, like, like, you know, like rats in the treadmill. We're just going through it and going through it and going through it. We have no idea what he's doing. Listen, he's dealing with you to change you and to, uh, to, to make you better. Don't, don't short circuit it. Don't pull out of the deal. Don't decide that I can't handle this anymore. You know, don't just keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Let him deal with you. Learn. Listen to that still small voice and do what he wants you to do. You can't invent a better way for yourself than he does. He just can't. He's got the way in mind. He's got the play in mind. He knows exactly what you need. Um, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. Wisdom is more valuable than silver or gold. More valuable than money. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared with her. It's better than anything you can desire. You say, hang on a minute. Hold on a minute. I want this and this and this. And you're telling me he's given me wisdom. Look, let me cash in some of the wisdom chips and have some of what I want. Isn't that what we feel? But no, what he's saying, no, listen, wisdom, understanding his way and living it, is better than getting the things that you want. It's better than having it your way. <clears throat> it says, length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. Uh, you know how you prosper, live long and prosper? Wisdom. You live God's way. You do it His way. You learn not to lean on your own understanding, but to lean on His wisdom. You learn to fear Him and walk with Him. And what He says is He'll give you Long life and prosperity. That's what it says. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. They're kind, they're pleasant, they're delightful. And all her paths are peace. You know, the world looks, at, looks for excitement and fun, doesn't it? And what happens is, you know, listen, you, you go out at the weekend and you have excitement and fun. And man, it's so good, it's wonderful, it's fabulous and so on. And the next day you're drained. Uh, from, <clears throat> from all the excitement and fun that you had uh, the day before. God's not talking about you having excitement and fun. He's talking about you having pleasantness and peace. He's talking about joy. He's talking about that deep inner feeling that says, everything's okay between me and God. I'm okay. The storms can come, but I'm okay. It doesn't matter what happens because this relationship's Okay. Things are right between me and him. Everything's fine. Everything's okay. There's joy in your life. That's what he wants to bring to your life. He wants to bring that joy. And that joy comes by wisdom. That's taking the word of God and internalizing it and applying it. Living his way. Not living according to your own understanding. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold on her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down with dew. Now, just a thought for you. Remember when God came to Job and Job was so upset with God. Why did you do this? And why did you let this happen to me? And it's not fair and all the rest of it. And, and uh, we understand where Job is coming from. But God says to him, hey, Job, where were you when I created the earth? Where were you when I suspended it? What's God saying to him, Job? You're only a tiny little man with a tiny little brain. Who do you think you are to challenge me? Job, who do you think you are to stand and look in my face and tell me I'm getting it wrong? Job, are you going to make me wrong so that you can be right? 
But isn't that what we want to do? Isn't that what we want to do? We want to look at our lives and it's not going the way I want it to go and it's not, I'm not happy the way I want to be happy. And we want to challenge God. You're getting it wrong. No, he's not. You know what? You don't understand what he's doing. You don't understand the full picture of what he's doing. You don't understand what it is that he's working out in your life. You're missing it. That's the problem. And really, a much better prayer, or rather, why are you doing this to me, would be, Lord, what are you doing to me? What what do you want from me, Lord? Where are you leading me? That would be a much better prayer for us. You see, he knows we don't. We think we do, but we honestly don't. When we put our wisdom beside his wisdom, listen, they don't compare at all. There is no comparison between them. <laughs> it says, My son, let them, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life to thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in the way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. You're going to have security. You're going to have life. You're going to have grace, enabling power in your life, and you're going to have security. Now, <clears throat> listen. Isn't it incredible what the people of the world look to security for? You know, I'm Sean Quinn. Sean Quinn, a couple of years ago, was the richest man in Ireland. Personal wealth was estimated to be over 4 billion euros. Man, that's a lot of money. I'd have a hard time spending that. I know some of you wouldn't, but I would have a hard time spending 4 billion. It would take me a while to get through that kind of money. His personal wealth was over 4 billion euros. You know, I'm sure he felt secure. I'm sure he felt like everything was okay. I'm sure he felt like no matter what happens in life, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm good. You know, now he's broke. He just declared himself bankrupt. He's totally broke. You know what? The world doesn't make you secure. Money can't make you secure. Listen, it can't do it. We look to it to make us secure, but it just can't do it. There's not enough money in the world for you to be secure. It can all be gone. It can all be taken off you in a moment. You know, if you're going to have security, you're going to have to walk in his way and depend upon him. Depend upon his wisdom. That's the only way. <clears throat> when thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Now, you ever wake up in the night and the fears of the night kind of get a grip on your soul? Now, listen, all, all those fears, so many of them seem like nothing in the daytime, but the fears of the night get, in, uh, get, get a hold of you. <clears throat> but you know what? <clears throat> You're not afraid when God's in charge. You're not afraid when he's at the helm, when he's in control. It's like, kind of like dad's being home. You know, dad's home, dad's in charge. It's okay. God's in, God's in, he's got the whole thing under control. I'm okay. I'm safe. He's got a handle on it. I may not, but he does. He knows where it's going. He knows how it's going. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. There's, there's no panic in our lives when he's in charge. We're following his way. There's, what would panic us? You know, you know like God's going to wake up one morning and say, oh, no, look at O'Gorman. I missed that. Didn't watch out for that in his life. And look what's happened in his life now. Oh, no, what are we going to do now? That doesn't happen. God knows what's going to happen in my life way back. 
And he's planned for it. And you know what? Very often, what he's doing is he's steering me through it so it doesn't affect me if I'll only listen. If I'll only heed. Now, sometimes he leads me into the storm. That's intentional on his part. He's doing that because he wants to grow me. But oftentimes he's leading me through it if I'll just obey him. If I'll just follow his word and obey what he's telling me to do, you know what? So many of the storms of life, I can just pass by them. They'll just pass over me because he leads me through them. Remember? Like the, um, uh, the, the, the person in the control tower directing the guiding the plane? You know, he can say, listen, you've got a storm coming up. You're flying into the midst of a storm. Why don't you just adjust your height and go up another 2,000 feet and you'll be able to pass over? Thank you, friend. God does that in your life very often. But you have to be listening to him. You have to be listening and you have to obey. It's no good the pilot looking at the windscreen of his little plane and saying, there's no storm. Maybe he can't see it. But the man in the control tower can't, and God can see it in your life too. And when God tells you to adjust things, listen, adjust them, just do them. When, when the Word of God points a different way to the way you want to go, just do it. Just do it. Listen, you can't get in trouble following His way because the trouble in, that, that's in His way is actually His hand of love chastening you and dealing with you. But when you go your own way, Oftentimes he has to leave you to stew in it so that you can learn that was the wrong way. I did it wrong. And by the way, when you find yourself in the place where you're being chastened and dealt with and God's pointing out to you that you got it wrong back there, you know, don't just do a Saul. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But listen, come pray with me, come on. Don't just do a Saul and try and put it. You know what you need? Nail it. Yes, God, you are right. I was wrong. I never want to do it this way again. That's repentance. That's a change of mind and heart. And that's what you need when you get it wrong and you go your own way and do your own thing. You need to have that repentance, that change of mind and heart. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and thou shalt keep thy foot from being taken. Trust in the Lord. (laughs) Your own understanding is only rubbish. It's not going to do it for you. It's not going to help you. You've got to get to the place where you're looking to the book and you're trusting Him. And you know what? When you're looking to the book and you're trusting Him, you're not going to hit the sea like John Kennedy did. You're not going to crash and burn like John Kennedy did. When you're looking to the Lord, you're going to know peace. You're going to know blessing. You're going to know full barns. You're going to know a life that really counts. But there's a choice for us to make. There's there's an initial choice when we decide, look, I am going to go his way even though it looks like suicide to me. I feel like I'm on a path that can work. This is what I'm familiar with. This is what I'm comfortable with. This just feels good. But he says, I'm on a collision course with reality. I'm going to adjust the thing and make it go the way he wants it to go. Listen, you've got to make that choice, that initial choice that you're going to follow. him, And then, regularly... You're going to have to choose to do it his way, not your way. But you know what? If you will choose to do it his way and not your way, ultimately you come in for a safe landing. And you look at the storms that you've passed through and you look at the life that you've, <clears throat> that you've lived and you'll say, you know what? This is the best way. I am so glad that I did it. 
You're not perfect and you won't get it all perfect. But when the set of your life, your heart, your direction, your choice is, I'm going to follow his way no matter what. What you're going to have is you're going to have a safe landing because he knows. God knows where you're going to be this time next week. Next year, ten years from now, God knows. He's got it all lined up and squared away. He knows exactly where you're going to go. You don't, but he does. And he says, trust in me with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge me and I will direct thy path. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want the peace, the security, the comfort that goes with that? Well, in order to have it, you've got to make the decision. You've got to choose it, and then you've got to continue to choose it. That's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for your word to us. Thank you for the truth that we find in Proverbs chapter 3. Now, Lord, would you bless and would you work in hearts and lives? Would you deal with us? In Jesus' precious name, amen. The piano's going to play, and at the piano's playing, and God is dealing with you. I want you to step out of your seat and come and do business with him. God is speaking to you about an area of your life where you're looking at going your own way and doing your own thing. Listen, come, do business with him. Maybe you've never made that first decision, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to go your way. Then come, do business with him. Maybe in your life what's happened is you've taken the wrong path, you've gone the wrong direction, and God has shown you where you're wrong, but you've never repented of it and made it right. And you're looking at the cost of it tonight, and you're thinking, I could never do that. Oh, listen, you can't afford not to do that. God says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Do it his way and you will find blessing. As the piano plays and God is dealing with you, you step out of your seat and you come.